What is up, everyone? My name is Brandon First, aka First Report, representing the ESBC Podcast Network. It's Wednesday, August 5th, 5th. 2020. Sorry. 5th. And it is time to talk about the top betting stories of the week with the coach, 2016 California co- uh, Tennis Junior College Coach of the Year, Brandon Lupian. But before we get to that, Let's just do a little housekeeping and let everyone know what we have coming up throughout the rest of the week. Because the one thing that we do here on the ESBC podcast network is A, keep you distracted, B, make you money, and C, we're dropping stuff every single day. Most days we're dropping two things. So Thursday, tomorrow, we have uh, Matt Burt giving us his East Coast breakdown of everything that is going on uh, politically, socially, um, justice, all that stuff. Last week or two weeks ago was uh, the first uh, gentleman who had successfully um, argued his way out of uh, federal prison by himself. <laughs> I mean, right. we're talking movie stuff here. It's uh, incredible. He on the network. It, it, you will see a movie about it at some point. <laughs> right. Trust me. It's, it's incredible. Um, so he's got that covered tomorrow. ESBC Films. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be, be ready. Um, 40 and then for also 40. Not, not, nearly as, uh, not nearly as impressive Amazing. or um, serious, but also a whole lot of fun is myself and Raider Jim breaking down Del Mar the weekend in a show that we are calling Call to Post, a show that I have a lot of fun on um, breaking. Anytime you get a chance to spend a minute or two, or in my case, an hour with Raider Jim talking anything, let alone horse racing, it's an absolute treat, so I encourage everyone to check that out on the website. We will be dropping that um, on Thursday. Moving ahead to Friday, we have college football. We are breaking it down. Uh, it's time to break down the Mountain West. It Ooh. is time to talk San Diego State football, uh, Colorado State football. And look, I understand we don't aren't talking complete certainties here, but you know what? We're going to break it down anyway because we've done our research no matter what. The worst thing you can do is too much research. And if it's if we're talking sports here, I have no problem with that. So we got you covered on Friday. Saturday, we take what we learned on Thursday with Raider Jim and myself, and we literally put it to the test with a live stream with myself and Josh um, as I bet Del Mar and help you learn how to bet the ponies as well. That's always fun. It's a five-hour uh, grind, but it's a lot of fun. And then Sunday is all about baseball with myself and Brianna Winner. We enter the winner's circle when we talk about the Anaheim Angels, or the, well, I'm going to call them the Anaheim Angels, damn it. Um, and uh, what's going on with them? Myself, we'll talk about the Padres, and both of us will talk about the Dodgers. And of course, we have a whole separate MLB podcast for everything else that is going on baseball wise. Moving on to Monday, which is now turning into one of the best days, is Josh and Sarah Lynn Robinson breaking down the NBA on our uh, weekly show. I guess, I mean, it's betting on the bubble, right? I mean, it's the only bubble in the sport or only sport that we bet on that's playing in a bubble. So that's how much money have you made, man, on, on my NBA picks. Oh, on our well, NBA I'll tell picks. you what. Every we, once in a while you do have input there. Oh, well, uh, very rarely. But going back to last year, you were on a hell of a roll up near 90, 95%. And currently – Luckily, you were all on top of this, the trend that has happened here in really the first uh, or the last nine games in the bubble in terms of seven underdogs covering. And a lot of what that is, and you were the one who told me about this, is, look, people have a lot more time on their hands. They don't do the research. 
but it's real easy to just bet the favorite. A lot of people bet and they have no idea what minus 7.5 is. They just wait till the end and see if they've won. That's dead money. And we want to stay away from that, but not only stay away from that, let's flip it on its head and monetize it because we know that is happening. And that's, what's been going on. And if you need, you were on that podcast with uh, coach subtle, everybody, everybody who's listening to this podcast, if you want to learn about some serious basketball, you want to up your skills, and you want to make money betting now and know exactly what's going on with the teams now and what's going to go on next year, listen to that podcast. Exactly. And so and much insight. Like we've said, we, we've, we are transparent as can be. DM myself or Josh, anyone you need, we will send you the spreadsheet. We will so we'll text you the picks five minutes after we put them in. Um, and, and we will get that done for you. That's what we're here to do. Um, and I lost track. Oh, Tuesday, of course, um, Josh and Jason, our Maverick, put the sports side of betting into the financial side of betting. And that is a perfect little storm, if you will, for a ton of people um, that maybe well, have more this, background this is what's going in the down, financial man. side of things. This is to be specific, right? Every single podcast we do, this one included, is the CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox, Business of sports betting podcast. Because it's business. It's business and financial concepts to make money watching sports and decision science where you have as much information as possible before you make a decision, which is common sense. But like Brandon first is saying, you must do your research. And right here... If you want to get technical, this podcast has been from the beginning fundamental analysis where you look at corporate governance and the way teams are operating in the news in order to make a decision, right? If Exxon's oil tanker blows up, you want to know (laughs) before you put some money in on Chevron. (laughs) Do you want to know what these guys are talking about? Exactly. And, and, And that's really what we have for you. Every single day, the content is dropping and... I, I love it because it's something not only for you every day, but it's, it's something different. And now another thing I love, I, I, I promise I'll let Brandon jump in here in a minute, but this show in particular, because of all of the other ones that we do, this is the only one that we talk about everything. Yeah. So every other sport or every other podcast is one sport. This one is everything. And I can't wait to get right in. So without further ado, here is coach, uh, coach Loopy in 2016, California Junior Coach, Coach of the Year. Always blessing us with our no- with his knowledge. How are you doing tonight, Coach? I'm doing great. Thank you for that wonderful in- insight and uh, introduction. Josh been on fire with his nine picks, uh, continuing on from where he left off um, pre-COVID, uh, NBA and college season. Who you know, as we're throwing those picks out there, you guys were shooting out the videos. And uh, and you're gonna you're never not gonna hear this from me, but the results have always spoken themselves. And Josh texted me last night, uh, listened to what I got and put out there, and I'm like, yeah, I got you, man. And then all of a sudden he texts me this morning, goes nine and zero, baby. <laughs> and I was like, we got here, give us nine and zero, baby, just win, baby. But great job, Josh, way to put those out there, and you know, Josh always starts his his podcast every meeting has a, a result and an outcome. And he's always like, um, we do this, make myself money, but forget listeners, don't forget listeners. We do this, make money as well 
today's show isn't like every other show. We get to touch up a different, a bunch of different things, a number of sports, kind of like a conglomerate of sports. And, you know, it's, it's what happens from Wednesday to this Wednesday. And there's been a number of things that uh, are going on in, in horse racing and Major League Baseball and basketball and in football. So speaking of football, we'll get right into um, what we have in store for you. The Rock. I'm going to say The Rock is purchasing group, okay? Purchase the XL. Off air, we've talked a couple, about a couple of things in regards to that purchase. But I would like to say, what has XFL been for the NFL? Well, there was a time during the NFL where the NFL monikered as the No Fun League. And then the XFL and some of these other minor league football leagues came about and they totally went the opposite of the NFL and were like, you know what, guys? Celebrate that. You know what, guys? You dance that. You know what, guys? Like, make a buffoon or a mockery of yourself. But you know what? Celebrate what you guys do. And the XFL, with its entertainment value stemming from WWE, um, have more or less loosened those straps for the NFL with, you know what? Some of its production value. The NFL never had that hammer going across and between the football field for the XFL. Um, the only reason why I bring that up, though, is because what possibly can the XFL do for the NFL? And you mentioned it could be a minor league, but it could also lead to some kind of openness or an exciting time in regards to what we do on a betting front. Things may be different. Um, an entertainment value to it may add or subtract from under over values and whatnot. So just wanted to touch up on that, Brandon, your, your thoughts. Well, you know what? I'm actually going to start with the betting side of it first. And one thing that yeah. jumped out to me was now we talk about research and we're kind of, you know, you do as much research as you can now. I don't work at NFL films. I don't work at an archive. You know what I mean? So you take what you can get. And I think what the best thing that could happen from this, from a betting side, is now that no-name guy who just gets picked up week four and makes the big play uh, to, to send the team to the playoffs or something like that. We've seen them before. We've seen um, that on your – we've seen that on your squad. We've seen when your run backs went down, I uh, just in the next guy and then plug in the next guy. Exactly. So you're on that tip. And I mean, even the, the Eagles actually even signed a quarterback. I don't think he got out of training camp, but he signed a quarterback um, who played in the, the Alliance uh, right. or the Alliance um, League. And he didn't, you know, he, he looked good in that league, but obviously it's a different animal. I think in the betting side, I think we're going to see if we – see what I expect the NFL or the XFL to turn into, which I'll get to that in a moment. But if it does, we could see a true minor league to where we're talking about Luis Patino, a kid right. that I'll be honest, I've never seen throw. Well, I think I saw him throw one inning in sp summer camp li or as live as I can get. Yeah. Okay. There's in the NFL, I would not know about a player comparable to Elise Luis Patino. Now, obviously, it's different. I understand that. But right. a, a prospect who's on the, who's on the um, practice squad for two years, I don't know anything about. 
I know everything about Mackenzie Gore. I know everything about Luis Patino. And that's what football, I think, is missing. Now, like I said, I understand it's different, and a lot of things, um, baseball and football, can't be the same. But moving on to what I expect the XFL to hopefully be is a true minor league system. And there was at one point a true minor league system. There was only one caveat, and it was – the, the, the games were literally played in Europe. It was yeah. NFL Europe. And I, I don't remember, and it just popped into my head, but I don't remember if it was a, a, a fall or a summer league. I'm pretty sure it was spring, summer, because I don't think anybody went up against the XFL after the no. other thing. No. But anyways, not really the point. What I'm saying is if you get – I remember watching the XFL and seeing the team, okay, whatever, the um, the – Cologne Generals, I think, was one of them. And the the NFL team, they have – so they have their logo. And then the NFL team that that player plays for has his logo. I mean, we're literally talking about property. And property in terms of the player, people. Just I don't want to get (laughs) – but that's what I mean. Like, they have the contract. They, they are the first person that get a chance at this kid. I don't know if that's what the XFL will do or if it will literally just be a showcase for NFL teams to grab. Now, I think if the XFL really wants long-term stuff or long-term you know, sticking around and, and reliability, they yeah. 100% sign on with the NFL because the NFL, we've all seen the other leagues that have tried to go up against the NFL. They've lost, and very quickly. The XFL tried to do that, what, six, seven, eight years ago and didn't right. last a year. So they have, to, they have to make a partnership of some sort, I believe. And I think with The Rock, I think The Rock is a lot easier to push on the public's uh, eye than Vince McMahon. So I think that helps. And Absolutely. The Rock has made it clear that he wants this league to be a minor league thing now i also understand when we say the rocks investment group he is probably very low on what's being put in but he is the face so um we'll see what happens but i more football is i'm all for it um like i said not if not even just i don't think we're ever going to have a podcast on here about betting on the xfl but we're going to gain insight into certain players that will help us when they make it to the X uh, to the NFL. Absolutely. 100%. And I know we talked about this on here. You know, just want to correct something. I sent you guys a note mm-hmm. on a correction, editorial correction. Huh? <laughs> I think the money was a whole lot less back then, but yeah. Oh, did beat, uh, the NFL. So the NFL's only been beaten once. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look what the AFL was doing versus the NFL back then, though. They were airing it out. They were, there was exciting value to the to that game, and the NFL did the smart thing. And San Diego those, Chargers. Right. Merged those two. But when you talk about team, a league that failed, the USFL, they tried to go straight up against the NFL, trying to sign high-end, high-value rookies or college players, big-name guys that just didn't pan out. XFL six, seven years ago did pan out where they were trying Vince McMahon's ego got in the way. They tried to beat the NFL. Just didn't happen. The Alliance just didn't happen. Now, if this is going to be 
something where developmental, by all means, you know, by all means. So I look forward to what it adds to the NFL. Some of the other things that it's already added. So moving on, on some FL odds, Brandon, you uh, you look some of those up. What do you what are we looking at? Um, you know, there's it's 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 kind of the the usual size. I mean, the people that you would expect to see there minus right. the Patriots. Now, I am still very, very surprised to see that the Patriots are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth choice on uh, this is inner tops. Uh, it's uh, plus 2,000. I mean, we do, is it Jared Stidham? I know it's Cam Newton's in there, but I, I will see there. It's very interesting to see that the Indianapolis Patriots, I'm sorry, the New England Patriots have better odds than the Colts. Um, okay. The Eagles, the Packers, the Bills. Better than uh, the Bills, huh? Right? Better than the Bills. Yes. And, uh, I mean, the only team – so I'm just, I'll just give you the top ten. Okay. Let's um, we'll, go, we'll go top to bottom. So, number one is obviously the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 550. That's any chance. Yes. Uh, right, right away. And Mahomes, really? that's, that's very, very – you know, I don't know – I don't know about betting uh, uh, Super Bowl odds in August, but it is probably safe money with them. Um, and then we also have the Baltimore Ravens at plus 700, San Francisco 49ers plus 900, your New Orleans Saints at plus 1,000. And here's where it gets a little nutty for Brandon. Number five um, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus 1,200. We all know why. Tom Brady, of course. No, I um, thought it was Colin. I thought I thought Colin boosts those numbers up. <laughs> yeah, he might have. He might have really. Colin Cowherd. And then, of course, the Dallas Cowboys, because you know they draft a wide receiver in the first round, so that's the reason why. Anyways, yep. they're at plus fourteen hundred. Seattle Seahawks at plus sixteen hundred. New England Patriots plus two thousand. Indianapolis Colts at plus twenty two. Um, 2200 and Pittsburgh Steelers are number 10 at plus 2500. I'll tell you, I am not a fan of taking futures bets on the Ravens or the Niners, and I am a fan of putting money on the Colts, yes, and the Seahawks. I I like the Seahawks going out and getting uh, it was Jalen Ramsey, right? I've been so baseball consumed. Right. But the, the safety from the Jets. Um, no, it's not Jalen Ram. Jamal, Jamal Adams. I think it's Jamal Adams. Adams. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sorry, baseball just. But anyways, no, um, uh, so they get and obviously look, give Pete Carroll another playmaker on defense. Russell Wilson, you know what you're getting out of him. You have a great home field advantage. I know that's another story, but anyways, um, I like that. And then the Colts. I think the Colts were a good quarterback away from being where the Titans were. You can't sit here and tell me that if Phillip Rivers was on the Colts last year, that the Tennessee Titans were better than them. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. I know you can talk to me about Derrick Henry and I'll hear you on that. That's the only time I will hear you on that. The Colts were one good quarterback. And I think they got, they have a quarterback now that at the very least is going to compete his ass off. And it's an upgrade since Andrew Luck left. Um, you know, oh, you man. Think? Bringing up Titans brings back a lot of memories. 
because I knew I, I saw their numbers. I want to say three weeks prior to starting, I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop money. Team, and then fatigue hits. You know that final game where Derek just didn't run anymore. <laughs> that team, mm-hmm. you know, fourteen of the, or fifteen of the sixteen weeks, and that was it. But I agree with Colts pick. I love that number. Okay, and I know for a fact Josh loves that running back. Uncomparable to Derrick Henry, but an explosive South Florida running back. That I remember last season, Josh was texting me, Mac, 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 is Mac playing? Mac playing? So I know he's an explosive player. On top of let's say years of turnovers, where turnovers down. Um, the risks, the risks for plays are going to be a lot less for him to make plays uh, as a charger. And O-line is a whole lot bigger than what he was working with, let's just say, the last five seasons. So it'll be interesting to see what Frank Reich will do with Phillip Rivers. Seattle is another interesting pick. They were only a play away. Last play, they were only a play away. And um, at that point, you just don't know what happens afterwards. So... You know, I love NFL. Uh, I can't wait for it to start. I'm looking forward to talking more NFL football. But let's keep the theme on football for right now because Josh and first have been nailing out the conference, uh, CAA football conferences. This week, nail the Mountain West. But there is news that happened from Wednesday to Wednesday in regards to UConn being one of the first major football programs to subside to COVID. They're not going to have a season. More importantly and more some might be what's going on in the Pac-12. A number of players in the Pac-12 um, are having some thoughts about playing. Um, Going into going into spring camp and competing, and it's it's a sticky situation in regards to some of the, what they're asking for. On top of some of the safety measures for COVID, so you have any idea? You have any to? You know, I mean, I have some topics. I have some bullet points, but I want to ask you know. For me, the UConn story isn't as. Big, just I didn't realize this. I didn't realize that UConn is not in a conference anymore. They they moved from the American right. Athletic basketball to the Big East, and then yeah. football isn't independent. So honestly, I'll be honest. A full disclosure: up until this morning, I actually talked with Josh about it, and I was under the assumption, oh shit, UConn. And I know we did the college football. My mind is so crazy, and we never looked over UConn. But anyways. We, we, um, they had moved and I didn't know that. And it made more sense when you, oh, you realize, okay, they're an independent and outside of Notre Dame, there's a reason those teams are independents. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the, Notre Dame does it specifically for money, but everyone else is trying to find someone to bring them in. Now, BYU, another situation. Well, okay, you're right. You know what? You're correct you on know, BYU. You're cr- uh, I forgot about BYU. But, uh, you know BYU. what? Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. I had no idea that they, they moved out of the AAC. Mm-hmm. 
after the Big the, East. The basketball is back in the Big East, which is another right. thing that, that changed this year. And I was just told of that today. So it, I don't expect any of the independents to play because you can't, except for, of course, BYU and Notre Dame, the teams that can bring money. Like, I'm sorry, with all due respect to um, Old Dominion or something, you're, no one's going to pay you to, to, to deal with that. So that, I don't, is, I guess, was something when you take, when I found out, okay, that's the part, it makes sense. In terms of right. what the California, um, you know, college athletes or, or um, student athletes are doing, look, I think we all know if you're a sports fan, if you're a college football fan, I hope you edu- have educated yourself on, on, the, on, on what goes in and what goes on and all that stuff. Um, you, I, you could go both ways. I understand there's a scholarship that's given and, and that's worth a lot of money to a lot of people, but you also look at what is brought in. I mean, you look at a, thousand, a stadium with 100,000 people and, and a quarterback – and you go, okay, well, maybe that section, okay, they're, they're, your scholarship's paid for, what now? But that's another story for another day. What is going on in California is a bit, I, I just hope that, it, so what it is is a player coalition of Pac-12 players that are pretty much saying, look, we're not going to play during football or COVID unless you do certain things. And look, at the end of the day, um, it is a lot of, um, maybe things that they wanted before COVID, but there's also other things that, Hey, if, if you get COVID, what happens if you're a walk-on, what right. are, are you going to go to school or what, how, how does that work? You don't have medical insurance through the school. You don't have, they, they're just, they're looking for safe nets. Now there are certain things where you do read it and you do go, Hey, I've heard that demand before. Um, in this situation, I think the NCAA, if the NCAA is true in what they, they should give one year this year, if you want to play, you can play. If you don't, you get a COVID red shirt. Everyone gets one COVID red shirt this year because look, I don't, I don't think we can sit here and look at NFL players saying, no, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable. And they're yeah. getting paid millions of dollars, leaving millions of dollars on the table. And you're going to sit here and say, we're going to cut this kid's scholarship because he's afraid to play during Corona scare. I mean, we, it's, it's, it's bad. And the NCAA doesn't give a crap. The NCAA is, is full of bad looks because they, they, their mirrors are from Funhouse, Like the Funhouse mirrors that you walk through as a kid, they had the real messed up mirrors. So the NCAA, I wouldn't put it past them to do, but I think that's what they need to do. I think they right. dropped the ball by not giving, by not giving the college basketball kids a chance to play in the NCAA tournament this next year. It was bull crap. I understand why they did it, um, but they could, they really easily could have been rectified. So I don't expect them to do anything really positive about this, but I do definitely expect if there's enough, if there's enough United or United players, or, or you get enough players it could change things. Um, and it's unfortunate because you're going to see with the first couple players that do this are going to risk everything. The first couple players that are really committed to doing this at the very beginning, 20 years from now, we'll make movies about them, but we'll cry at the end because they will be failed. And I've already heard stories about Washington state players who have been told to clear out their locker rooms just because they retweeted the the message. So right. 
it, it, it's a very, very quick and, and simple get rid of that scholarship kid. Hey, here's this four-star kid that, hey, he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't, he's not going to talk back. He's not going to, he doesn't even have Twitter. Get him in here. Boom. Get this kid out of here. Get him out of the dorms tomorrow. I don't give a crap what happens to him just because they believe that maybe they want a little bit more, which I I just hope that these players are ready for negotiation because they're not getting what they put down. Well, it's It's not, we've also, yeah, it's not the first time we've heard um, players probably trying to unionize Northwestern. Their football team wanted to unionize. So, you know, there's a lot on the table that that the Pac-12 is going to have to deal with right now. But to these fair market, let, let me ask you guys this question though, because it's a huge quick. cash flow that uh, I won't mention his name because I consider him a competitor that we're going to beat soon. The way things are going, uh, so we don't want to give him any extra publicity. But he makes a big deal out of, uh, even though he owns a restaurant at a uh, mall here in uh, L.A., California, that. West Coast, soft, liberal, uh, weak, West Coast kids eating vegetables all the time, get out man when they play the SEC in Clemson who eat steak and weigh 40 to 50 pounds more. Now, with all this protesting and stuff like that, and if these guys end up not playing, does that increase the gap in the spread? Because this is a betting show. And, uh, hey, SEC – Plays Pac-12, SEC. Uh, Pac-12 plays Clemson, Florida State. Is this now going to make the West Coast school and the Pac-12? And it came out today that the Pac-12 uh, has to borrow money now, so they're going to borrow money from the banks. So they're cut twenty million. It's even going to be less. Meanwhile, the Big Twelve, not the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve's broke too, but. The Big Ten, they make $50 million per school. And the SEC makes $45 million per school. Is now the gap going to get bigger as talent goes? And are we going to see, like Alabama was going to play USC, and that line was probably going to be about 28 points between USC and Alabama. Are those spreads now going to get bigger because of what you guys just said? Maybe not here, but in the long run, probably so. But, you know... Regardless of what, who we, nothing's going to ever change until um, you get those SEC presidents out of that, that, you know, the NCAA, you know, college football, whatever it is that they run. They run the whole thing. They marketed that way, benefited financially from for the last how many years. Um, but nothing's going to change until the leadership of that changes. So, I thought Brandon Frost was going to chime in and say that nothing was going to change until Clay Helton gets fired. Well, the USC gets a legit coach, and then suddenly the West Coast becomes the, the one thing I'll play. say. You knew about you were going to say that. Coast, <laughs> West Coast, believe me, Clay Helton. It's <laughs> it's if they didn't fire him last year, it's just it's just like that that I don't know that that really crappy diner that you have to eat at every day. It's like, well, it's better than nothing. I mean, I can't coach the team any better than Clay Helton. I wish I could. They obviously yeah. think that Clay Helton is the greatest thing ever. So whatever they, they don't honestly, I think coach, coach Lupin and I can coach the team better than Clay Helton. I think we would I mean, hire 
him and I would be motivating the players and recruiting, and then we would get X's and O's guys and uh, some other guys to come up there recruiting. Well, we that, could do a better job. We'll, we'll hire you to do the research, and we can coach better than Clay Hill. Just yeah, my well, opinion. That's not going to happen. But um, <laughs> in terms of uh, the, the, the West Coast versus East Coast thing, I think one thing that the West Coast can has an advantage over the East Coast is I think schools and not programs. Like, so look, Alabama football, yes. Uh, LSU football, yes. That recruits itself. But you're going to sit here and take a kid – who grew up in Minnesota? He takes a, he takes a, a a recruiting class or a recruiting trip to Minnesota, Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, Manhattan, Kansas, and then someone goes, "Hey, go check out a uh, uh, San Diego State." And look, the way football is these days, there's 900 channels. Every game's on. Would you you want to go to Kansas State in Manhattan, Kansas for four years? Or you want to go to San Diego State? You want to go to Stanford I mean maybe that you know that's a whole nother story because that's more thinking but Cal right. Berkeley or, or or Oregon or I mean um, even even looking college basketball wise I mean the West Coast Conference those those campuses holy crap I mean I there is not a ugly campus in the West Coast Conference and it's not only that it's like every one of them are like top 25 um, right. I mean Pepperdine is in Malibu folks USD overlooks the bay i mean it's beautiful my girlfriend goes there and i'm just like how do you leave that place it's unbelievable so um now the 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 steak and potatoes stuff that's always the fun part because if you honestly think that just because you're in california you're eating vegetables you're out of your mind okay so that's like me saying oh if if you're in the south you're you're married to your sister like come on people let's go (laughs) you know and i understand what you're trying to say but don't offend anyone uh, those kids that are playing ball are not eating that broccoli kale bullshit no 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 they are getting their steak and potatoes uh when they can get it it's just it's different out here. We can play outside 12 months a year. Get over it. I think it's just a lot of haters. Yeah. You know what? You're absolutely right. Then, then why yeah. hasn't the West Coast beaten the SEC in like 20 years? What was the, last, what was the score the last time uh, uh, yeah, Watching Ghost played Alabama? Yes, it was 56 The hell out of everybody uh, when Pete Carroll was there. You don't have very That's good. Right. The best coaches that the Pac-12 have had have been gone in two years. Look, I don't like Chip Kelly, but Chip Kelly was a beast at Oregon. Jerm Harbaugh was incredible at Stanford. Pete okay. Carroll, you say whatever you want, how he left USC, but he built USC back up. Um, I mean, even even going – When was I, the last I, time Pete Carroll coached at USC? Isn't like 12 years 15 ago. years ago. The last time the Pac-12 was relevant. Legit. That's what I'm saying. I'm telling you that it's possible. It, what but it since, is, it's possible. Let me change you know? When Pete Carroll was at USC, the SEC was not the top dog. No, It comes in waves. It's a 10-year cycle for some of these colleges. And now I could sit here and say the SEC might last longer because, look, Saban, and it's, it's kind of like that super nova of talent. But, I mean, the Pac-12 and West Coast teams were beaten – East Coast teams and still are maybe not on the biggest level. Yeah, definitely. The South is faster. The uh, the Midwest is bigger. But in ten years or five years, it'll go back to you know the Pac-12 will be doing their thing. Believe me, Oregon was messing people up uh, when when Chip Kelly was there too. So yeah. it's 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 a situation where I think it goes. Auburn in- Auburn beat Chip Kelly with my guy um, in the national title game. I mean, right, right. Okay, but USC. Well, I, would, I would venture that USC is the only team. 
that was able to go to the South and win from the West Coast. No other te- West Coast team was able to CLA do CLA used to do it in the 90s all the time. I mean, we're, we're – we'll, we'll get Brianna about- Winner to come up and uh, well, win that. Uh, look yeah, at that. We'll have a research in like CLA. It's been a mid-major. No, in the 90s. Forever, oh, and it's just false. I, hey, you know what? In the nineties, ten years. In the nineties, I used to have hair, man. That's a long time ago. <laughs> it was still gray, but it was hair. But no, I, 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 I uh, had gray hair. It was, it was gray hair. It's certainly, and let's not forget. Okay, I want to go over some of the, what I'm asking for, and before mm-hmm. we move on to some U.S. Open talk. But there, this is this is five bulls that they're asking for. Distribute fifty percent of total conference revenue evenly among athletes and their respects. Number two, six-year athletic scholarships to foster undergraduate and graduate degree completion. Three, elimination of all policies and practices restricting deterring our freedom of speech, our ability to fully participate in work, and our freedom to participate in campus activities outside mandatory athletic participation. Four. Ability of players of all sports to transfer one time without punishment, and additionally, case of abuse, or and and additionally in cases of abuse, serious negligence. Five, the ability to complete eligibility participating in a pro draft if players on draft and foregoes professional participation within seven days of the draft. So, on top of the COVID safeties. You know, number two, I got got to interject here for a second. I just have to. I'm sorry. But number two had to have been a transfer from UCF. You can't finish university. (laughs) They need six years to appear a four-year program. (laughs) We had Tony Mejia from Vegas Insider. He had that uh, UCF hat on. I had had to get on for that in Spanish, for those who know Spanish. We'll, uh, We'll enjoy that. We got through it, though. It was like Puerto Ricans and Cuban. I said, hey, you know, we have our rivalries, but we're one bird with two wings. But the UCF stuff was funny. Uh, six years to complete four years. That's why they call it you can't finish university. Nice. I like that interjection of them all. But moving on, the U.S. Open is still on schedule to play. Um, as of Monday, world number two. Rafael Nadal has withdrawn due to COVID concerns. Uh, amongst things, I think, because of the prox- – not the proximity. Well, the proximity of where he's from in Spain, but also the timing between the U.S. Open and the French. But listen to these names and ranks in regards to out of the U.S. Open. So far. Number one woman in the world, Ashley Barty from Australia. She's, she's withdrawn. I've expected some – some more withdrawals, but they still have some time. On the men's side, as I mentioned, number two, Rafael Nadal. Um, number three, Roger Federer. He's out. We knew that because of injury. Number nine, Gael Monfils from France. He's out. Um, number 11, Fabio Fognini from Italy. He's out. Songa is a popular name that's out. Stan Wawrinka, world number 17, out. Nick Curio, who's been probably the utmost, the loudest man on the tour in regards to what's going on with COVID and isolating, he pulled himself out. He's 40 in the world. So those are some really highly ranked players that would typically be Sid. Um, 
if anything, if anything, my take is whoever wins this uh, is doing it for the money grab because the payout is ridiculous. And the U.S. Open wants to continue to play this because they're getting a $75 million check from ESPN. And, and, and if anything, ESPN's making this column this um, to participate in it and whatnot. But you're not going to get a strong men's field, obviously, with all those numbers out. Who knows who pulls out from uh, in the meantime? Gregor Dimitrov is another player that is not going to be out because he is suff still suffering from COVID complications that uh, he – he got from the whole Novak Djokovic, you know, fiasco. So, you know, the Euros, the international players, losing them is going to dilute the field. Only reason U.S. Open talk is because when it comes down to it and what the odds look like, there's going to be either one really highly favored player, and that would be Novak Djokovic because he's number one, and he's just chasing records and titles. And, and he's already put himself at risk contracting and running stuff, you know, in his home country and whatnot. And then you got who else? You know, there's not really a top U.S. player that could compete with him, fortunately. And then it's like, who are you going to fill the draw with? I mean, it's a large draw, and you're going to – you don't have a qualifier. You don't got guys playing into qualifying for the tournament. You're just some guys' wild cards just to complete the – it's kind of like a – it's major tournament with a field. So the numbers are going to be either really high for a certain player, and then it's going to be over the place for others. So it'll be interesting to see other names, whether they commit. Um, with, again, with the French been 10 to 12 days after us, so having to fly back to Europe in your own country and then have to go through COVID restrictions is another reason why player opting out especially if the French is continue to play on. So, you know, we're going to be looking at those numbers while we do our research before that show. Be on the lookout for more names dropping out. Want some live stuff right now. Major League Baseball, definitely. Moving forward with the season, loving it. Texting back and forth in regards to the Padres Dodgers. Last night, goodness, and then Josh Blue Hat, really. But on the injury front, Brandon, like we talked about Mike Schmidt when it happened. This changed a whole lot, especially with your what you said about the Braves before the season starting and then dropping Fruderick last week and now losing Soroka this week. Like, this really dwindles the Braves' chances for young, exciting team that is now one less starter away. What do you think? Yeah, it was it's bad. But I, I actually saw it live. I was watching the game and it I mean you know. And yeah. you know they, they say hey don't speculate but I mean you, you you can tell he tries to get up he can't walk and and you it's terrible because it, it can happen getting out of bed. It can happen turning moving the grocery cart. It is that Achilles is so strong until it just decides you know what? I think I've had enough. And yeah. it's a long, it's going to be a tough long road back. It's so unfortunate because if you know about the Braves, um, I think the Braves are about three or four years ahead of the Padres. The Padres want to be where the Braves are um, right. now in like three or because the, the, the Braves, 
you know, hot, what is it, hot talent lava has burst through and it is, it is all over the place right now. The, United, uh, the Padres right now are just, you know, starting to erupt. Scratch the and, surface. Yes, exactly. And Mike Soroka is the Braves' Mackenzie Gore. And he's already – I mean, he's um, – if it Steph? wasn't for Pete Alonzo hitting 53 home runs, Mike Soroka would have been National League Rookie of the Year last year. He was the best pitcher on the second-best team in the National League, and nothing changed going into this year. Incredibly unfortunate – in terms of the Braves, they their situation is difficult, but I think they're still in okay shape because two of their biggest competitors right now are really, really scuffling, and maybe even three. Okay, look, the Mets, Cespedes opting out in the middle of a baseball game. The fact that, hey, you know what, maybe they're just not that good either. And then you look at the Phillies who are dealing with their own coronavirus thing. They come right out of this and just get shellacked by the Yankees. And then you look at the Nats, who do we know if Juan Soto is coming back? Um, or, I mean, if Juan Soto isn't back, who else is pitching or who else is hitting? So many question marks. The Braves, with this playoff structure, will be able to make the playoffs, no doubt about it. But now there's not really a winner out of this and nobody likes to see anybody get hurt. But the biggest benefactors of this, no doubt, sit on Josh's head right now, the Los Angeles Dodgers. I believe the only team in the National League that is capable of beating the Dodgers in a seven-game series in the playoffs was the Atlanta Braves. And that was with a 1-2. I mean, you would have liked it to be Cole Hamels. At this point, it might have been Max Freed. Not even a 1-2, but a 1-2-3 that's good enough. It's not now with Mike Soroka. Chad Sabatka gets called back up. Not quite sure. And the crazy thing about all of this, last year, around this time, the Atlanta Braves sent Mike Fultonevich down to AAA. He came back up and pitched lights out the second part of the season. A week ago, the Atlanta Braves designated Mike Fultonevich for assignment, thinking – Someone's going to pick him up, and he's gone. No one picked him up. He took it like a man. He is now in the. He is at the alternate training site, saying, "Whenever you're ready, I'm here." And I would not be surprised if they say, "Hey, you know what? In a week, we need Fulty back up." And Fulty goes on and does some things. Now, I love Fultonevich. He's not going to get them to the World Series, but there is something at least that they can say, "Hey, at least somehow, some way, Fultonevich." Because no matter what, look if. If Soroka hurts himself and then Fultonevich has that terrible start the next day, he's not getting designated for assignment because all of a sudden, uh-oh, we need him. Yeah. The Sabaka thing is terrible, or Soroka thing is terrible. Um, he's one of the young kids. He's got a long road ahead of him. Tommy John is tough because there's a – or it's good because there's a blueprint. A lot of people have gone through it when it comes to Achilles. There's no guarantee that you're coming back, especially considering it's – um, it, it's the feet for pitchers, man. Whether it's the push or the land, you need right. that Achilles really bad. I, I'm like wishing him the best. I, I want to see that. I want to see the best baseball players play baseball, and I want to see him back because he is one of the best. Absolutely. And you know, just, just oh. it's crazy. Because there's so much that move so dynamic and you brought up the foot and then the Achilles that movement that land wore the push is extreme and we've never heard many Achilles pops so who knows what that road to recovery is I mean we've seen it for basketball players Kobe comes to mind there's others that uh, football players 
you know, there's some that come to mind. I mean, he, he hasn't done – he's still in the league. Manti Teo was Achilles, right, during the season. But a player, a pitcher of all player, uh, of all positions. Tough. Go ahead, Sheriff. Yeah, you know, and, and just in terms of the, the, uh, the other outlook on the Braves is, look, we still have about 20 days, 25 days, and the, the, the trade deadline is going to happen. Um, there are going to be teams here in the next two weeks that just decide, you know, we're only five games out, but we're in sixth place fighting for that wild card. Don't want to be a part of it. Um, we, we could see that now with the opening up of teams in the playoffs. I think the market is lower. Most teams mm-hmm. are obviously going to be seller or uh, buyers. There's- so we will see. But the Braves have talent that they can give up. And if there's, a, if there's an ace out there, they will go and grab him. Um, the problem is, is probably the only teams that are probably going to want to trade are going to be probably the four worst teams. And, you know, normally there's not an ace on those teams. So we'll see how it goes for the Braves. Um, in terms of the Padres, look, this is my soapbox time. Um, I think it was this time last week or two podcasts ago. I talked about two things. As good as the Padres were doing, I talked about two things. Defense and bullpen management and bullpen, just the bullpen in general. The defense has been atrocious. And no, I'm not talking about Jake Cronenworth, who all of a sudden is, I mean, he didn't play first base above double A ball and he has yet to get a ball by him. He is unbelievable. Any of those would have been like, hey, good try. He has not let anything by him. He also threw in a home run off uh, Dustin May last night that, you know, he's been unbelievable. Um, But I look around and I see Trent Grisham bobble balls. I see Will Myers struggle. Don't get me wrong. I know he catches it. But look, if you struggle that much, can you do me a favor, Will? Can you at least use two fucking hands? I mean, you look so awkward out there, and then you catch it with one hand. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, Look, I, I, I know it's a tough game. And a lot, and I know it's very difficult and everything that's going on, but the defense is pulling this team down. Uh, cost us last night, at least to um, the, the dropping of the ball um, from Grisham A and then Mejia, or I think, yeah, it was Mejia last night. It's right. tough. But my biggest problem, we have yet to go a game this season where the bullpen has yet to give up a run. It is unbelievable. Believable. We're not talking about the Baltimore Orioles, the Kansas City Royals, the Detroit Tigers, the bottom of the barrel bullpen teams. We're talking about the team that some really, really smart people said was the best in the game. I said they were top five. I said they were going to be good. Oh my goodness. Kirby Yates gets a save finally, not before he gives up an absolute tank shot to Cody <laughs> Bellinger. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, it blows my mind. And then Last thing I promise I'll say about the bullpen. In San Francisco, you're up by three. Craig Stammen walks a batter with one out. You get the bullpen rolling. Great. I love it, Jace Tingler. But why is it Matt Strom? It's the eighth inning. You put Drew Pomerantz in the night before to save Kirby Yates for who knows. And, hey, let's bring him in for a four or five out save. But, no, let's get Matt Strom warming up. I understand there's a group of six left-handed pitchers coming up, but I will tell you when you bring Matt Strom in, you're going to see three straight pinch hitters who bat from the right-hand side, period. I mean, these are things that Jace Tingler, look, normal season, 
not that big of a deal. You have time to kind of iron out the kinks and figure these things out. Guess what? We are getting really close to the quarter pole of this season. We might have already passed it. My math isn't that good. I don't know. But these are things that have to be fixed, like, now, immediately. And the worst part about it, you generally don't fix these things when seven of the next ten are against the best team in baseball, arguably. So I know everyone calls me, you know, the, the, the negative Nancy when it comes to the Padres, but I was last yeah. week, and guess what happened? Exactly what was wrong, and it's still, being, it's still wrong. So I don't care if this team's an eight seed and we make the playoffs. What, are you going to hang a banner? Big whoop. You're going to get swept. I don't San want any part of that. San Diego will hang a banner. Maybe and, a and they will, and and they'll and I'll, and you'll see people walking around with shirts yeah. about it because yeah. that is what the Padres are about. They will right. sneak in, and they will. I mean, we will see the whole uh, marketing plan next year will be: <laughs> we were wild card, we were right. we were a playoff <laughs> team. It's like the Montreal Canadiens right now. Like you're a 12 seed, right. you are not. A, we're not playing college basketball. 12 seeds do not make the dance folks and that's kind of where we are with baseball look i love the padres i'll always love the padres jace tingler needs to figure it out and unfortunately he is very stubborn he has constantly said these are my guys i'm sticking with them um that's fine in 162 game season i just don't think it's fine in 160 uh in a 60 game season the patino bring up or call up is interesting because i think he will help that bullpen at the very least some guys just perked up and went, uh-oh, uh, kids. Better get my shit together. Yeah, he, he could be the seventh inning guy and no one would bat an eye. And I could right. be at USD and no one would give a shit. Don't get me wrong, beautiful campus at USD, right. but no, no Padre player wants to be housed at USD right now. So no. this, this is a turning point for the Padres. And if they can win tonight, awesome. Right. But you have to carry it over to the Diamondback series and keep going. I don't have terribly high hopes. The bullpen is my biggest concern. The defense, we can live with the defense. It's unfortunate, but the bullpen, I mean, we have to have an outing of multiple innings and not give up a run, period. I'm not even going to ask for no walks because I'm not going to go there. I'll just take baby right. steps at this point. Right. You know, one of the things, you brought two things. We've chatted about those things. I think the base running has been horrible, but I also believe this is, between those two things, those little things, those little things, ramifications of losing a spring trade. You're not going to find all that in a month because you're just trying to get arms ready and timing the bats. All those other things, and this is across Major League Baseball, bullpen, defense, base run, real sticking point because I know those little things are what, what dictates the outcome, more or less, more or less. And I'll take it one thing further in terms of the losing out on the spring training. Yeah. That could be a possibly a, a situation what happened with Soroka. You're not yeah. fully – you haven't fully put in the reps. You haven't fully planted. And like I said, look, I know the Achilles is, is kind of like a ticking time bomb. Like it, it's going to go. But in those situations, maybe you have more chances to do um, – it's called PFP, pitcher fielding practice. That's exactly what was going on when that happened. So maybe in this summer camp, they didn't have time to really harp on those because it's like, you know what, 
And it wasn't so much the skill that they needed to work on, but it was the muscle movement and the muscle memory of it. That could possibly be it. I'm not really a doctor. I'm sure maybe, you know, science could contradict that, but that's just something that popped into my head in terms of, because we're seeing it with, and not so much with Eric Hosmer, because I think that's a gastroenteritis thing. So that's just kind of a weird thing. Um, but you're seeing it with oblique strains and, and, and little things because these guys aren't used to going for three weeks, shutting it down for three months, going for two weeks, and then, hey, pennant race. I mean, it's just, they're, they're, they're like horse races or they're, they're, they're almost like, you know, animals. They, they have to be maintained and put out into a certain way. And it's right. not happening. And I, I love that you brought up the base run, running thing because I think it was either Monday or Tuesday against, and it was twice in one inning, two separate batters were disposed of do right. terrible i mean trent grisham he's been great yeah. but you have no excuse a ball hit to right field and you get thrown out in second the, the field i mean the play is right in front of you in front you of the best view of anybody in the ballpark and you're throwing it there was never ever going to be a double on that and it's it's little things like that that look you're not going to be successful anyway but the dodgers oh my goodness it's gonna it could get ugly if that's the kept keeps happening and like i said you get three games with the diamondbacks you've been real good with but if you look ahead and you lose two out of three the pressure's on with four against the dodgers at dodger stadium believe me it would it it could get ugly but you know what i'm going to keep the faith and hope that you know we can we can figure it out but i'm not going to bet on that faith i'll tell you that right now yeah, you can't bet on the Padres, but when you look at when you're when you're betting that situation, it's almost like when hockey guys and I'm not big into hockey, but a, a hockey person will tell me, "Well, we need so and so superstar," and I'm like, "Okay, who's going to get in the puck?" Okay, uh, Hosmer, I guess, is what first report is telling me is the one backing up Manny Machado, because especially in a season like this, or if, the Padres were ever in a pennant race. I'm not pitching to Machado. So whoever's behind him is going to have to beat me and get um, and get the good pitches to hit, right? I'm going after an Eric Cosmer, but if an Eric Cosmer isn't, plate, isn't in place, and on my uh, Dodgers briefing, I'll bring in a first report of uh, pinch hit because we're going to look at the Dodgers lineup from a betting perspective. And from a betting perspective, who's backing up? Uh, Manny Machado of Hosmer isn't there. Yeah, just ain't swinging that we like all hope by now. But, you know, wrap up. Brandon, I want to say thank you for for being such a wonderful co-host. Josh, thanks for chiming in. Okay, and I'm going to leave this Josh to finish getting into his Dodger talk while I'm away. But let's finish with Steve Fisher. I think when you enjoy what you're doing, you get where you want to go. And if you listen and continue to listen to the Dodger Talk, you continue to listen to previous podcasts, in regard, especially to the NBA and what's going on with how these guys are pulling picks out of their hats. 9-0 and yesterday, on fire. NBA Talk, NBA Picks on fire. Completely transparent. On Twitter, DM these guys. They'll get you what you want, whether that's yeah, and I'll post, and I'll post the, the, question the in NBA to spreadsheet. Certain game, NBA spreadsheets, whatnot, they'll get it. So on top of that, you guys, thank you so much. I'm out of here right now. I just got to jump out of the house. And I'll see you next Wednesday, and we'll be chiming in and texting throughout the week.
Yes, sir. Thank Have a good you. one. Thank you, and you guys enjoy Dodger Talk. Dodger Briefing, Betting Briefing. Dodger Briefing. <laughs> so we're going to do a Dodger Betting Briefing, and it's about betting on the Dodgers and winning these bets. And one thing that uh, that's won me a lot of money, right, is looking at the Dodger lineup and seeing what the lineup is and whether it's a lineup that's been changed by analytics or is it a lineup that's been changed by injury. Uh, but a clue is that Mookie Betts for the third straight night is not going to start against the Padres. That tells me I think Andrew Feeman feels that not only does Mookie bets whatever injury he has, he uh, can benefit from an analytic standpoint from the rest that he's going to get, right? And that he feels he can beat the Padres without Mookie bets, all right? And here is the Dodger lineup. It's going to be... And it's a DH, right? It's, I, I need to follow them a little closely, but... Uh, There's pitchers are not hitting this year, ever. At all. At so all, you got... No matter what. Yeah, it's... I would assume it is... So it is not 100% for next year, but they're not going back. They're not going back to it. Um, so it, a lot of the reason why was because you were going to have a lot of interleague matchups, and it's a huge disadvantage um, or it's, I'm sorry, it's a huge advantage for the National League team because they're used to playing that way. So they just evened it up, made it, you know, whatever, universal. And it's just an easy way. They wanted to do this a long time ago, um, just an easy way to stick it in. But, yes, the, you will not see pitchers hitting um, this year at all, maybe ever again. But, sorry. Right. So from a betting standpoint, uh, Andrew Friedman knows a lot more about baseball than I do be honest, quite honest. So there's Stan Caston, who chimes in. And you know what? Who am I to argue with Stan Caston? Stan Caston has, as a president of a team, won the last, I think, uh, 20 out of 22 division titles because he won 14 in a row as the Braves uh, president. And now with the Dodgers, this for six years, as president of the Dodgers, they've won the division every single time. So who am I to argue with Stan Caston, right? I probably would just for uh, the sake of humor. So they think, right, the Dodger hierarchy, and Magic doesn't really have a say in it. It's just PR. But Stan Kasten, Walter, who's a billionaire owner of Guggenheim, he's the owner of Guggenheim, who just wrote a check and bought the Dodgers for a cool $3 billion. Uh, they okayed the lineup, right? And I guess for the Padres, the only upper guy that, that okays the lineup would be Ron Fowler. He's the one that's uh, probably pissing uh, first off with uh, who's coming in and out of the bullpen. Well, we've we've disagreed on that. I don't think Ron Fowler has any fingerprint on the actual day-to-day uh, baseball side of things. I will send you that article, but you don't like Kevin Ace, but I'll send you that article. Oh, God, no, don't process. waste your time. Don't waste your time. Thank you, but no, don't waste your time. Kevin Acey says that Ron Fowler, it, it makes Kevin sense. Kevin Acey can tell me the sky is blue and I won't believe it. No, thank you. 
But it makes sense to me that Ron Fowler uh, has his hands on it. If you ever met Ron Fowler, he's one of those guys. He's, he reminds me of um, Cliff Clayman from, uh, from Cheers. He, he's one of those guys that knows everything. So I really doubt that a guy like that wouldn't have his hands on analytics, the way he talks about numbers, and who comes in and out of the bullpen. So Ron Fowler, in my opinion, against Dan Caston, Walter, and Andrew Friedman. Right, and Andrew Freeman feels that they can beat the Padres, a division opponent that they will play again without Mookie Betts. Right, so you have Pollock, three sixty four, three home runs, twelve hits. But more importantly, when you're betting on these games, you have to look at walks. Right, because the Dod- uh, Dodgers are an analytics team that feel that uh, run suppression is more important than uh, generating runs. So a guy like Pollock is good in the field. He's got a great average, but it's early in the season. They haven't played that many games. He has three walks. That's the leadoff guy. So you really don't want to walk the Dodgers leadoff guy. So three walks in how many games? Pollock has played... Let me see how many games has he played. A.J. Pollock has played in nine games, three walks. That's pretty good. And that's what you want from a Dodger uh, leadoff hitter. Then you go to Max Muncy, right? He's the working man's player. He's a guy who was cut. He was like COVID-19 or no COVID-19, I'm playing because I know how it is to do well in the major leagues, then get in a slump and be cut and go to AAA. So I don't care. I'm playing. I'm not losing my spot again. And he has uh, six base on balls in 11 games. So you have the two uh, starting Dodgers at the beginning of the lineup who are taking – uh, they have a good eye, and this year they're taking their base, right? Which, if you believe what Brandon first says, if you can get into that Padre bullpen, you really have a good shot. We go to Justin Turner. What type of year is Justin Turner having? Uh, he's hitting 234, but batting in the third spot, you want to look at his power numbers. Justin Turner has zero home runs, eight RBIs in 11 games, and he struck out nine times, and he's walked five. So his strikeout-to-walk ratio is horrible. It's horrible. So... Brandon first is Justin Turner from a betting perspective going to come out of a slump. Does he do in baseball terms? Oh, probably. I mean, he's a really good player and someone that helps his team other ways than that. And he's, he's going to have, he's always going to see pitches to hit. Uh, he's hitting in a lineup that, you know, he's. Well, you're not pitching around him to get the donor. Um, but, you know, you're, you're going to see a lot of left, right, left, right um, from them. And 
Turner definitely isn't your quintessential number three guy for sure. All right, so he's slumping. So you don't want to – that's going to be a key tonight when you're – and especially when you're betting the Dodgers to see how Justin Turner uh, starts getting hot because you don't want to pitch around him to get to Cody Bellinger who uh, was, you know, MVP type of statistics last year. How's he doing this year? He has – uh, only three walks, but he has hit two home runs and five RBIs. He's batting 159. So the Dodgers right now, I want to look at it from a betting perspective. The Dodgers right now are seven and three with Cody Bellinger batting 159 with a bad strikeout to walk ratio of seven to three. And Turner's hitting 159, right? So from a betting perspective, that's scary. That is so scary because you're getting, what, 127 tonight? And uh, Brent First's first instinct was, Brent First's first instinct was that that number was low for the Dodgers, right? And this is coming from a Padre fan. <laughs> then you look at Corey Seager. He's my favorite player from North Carolina. Wow, they yeah. went left, left? They went back-to-back -back left? Yeah, so they went wow, Cody Seager. Well, Cody Seager's batting uh, 356. No, I know, but they've, they usually go – because even Pollock leading off isn't nor – normally it's Mookie Betts. Obviously, I know he's not playing, but they were doing a lot of – if they were facing a lefty, you know, they start the righty. And so they were doing a lot of weird stuff and doing left, right, left, right. I was just surprised to see that they went Bellinger, Seager – um, back to back lefties. Well, the, the process it's always been this way for a while for Andrew Freeman when he had Joe Madden. So what happens is the computer spits it out, right? Computer spits out what it is. Then it goes to Sam Caston, Walter, and Andrew Freeman, and they have a meeting. They adjust it, and then they give it to Dave Roberts. And this is the difference between Joe Madden and Dave Roberts. Uh, Dave Roberts is famous for never changing that lineup. Never, he might do some in game stuff to his gut, but everything is analytics, right? Joe Mann would change it all the time. <laughs> Joe Mann would get the lineup cart from uh, the owner Steinberg, and then uh, he has a similar last name, uh, Seidenberg, which is the president, and then Andrew Freeman was the general manager. They would have a meeting, they would set up the line, lineup cart that was spit up by the computer, and then give it to Joe Mann. And Joe Madden about maybe 30% of the time would change it. It got to a point where it got into a power struggle where Joe Madden was changing after he got the team to the World Series out of nowhere. He goes from 60 games to getting the race in the World Series. And then every game he would change one of the guys in the lineup. Dave Roberts doesn't do that. Dave Roberts pretty much stays the same. So most likely this happened, either the computer spit it out or out of that meeting between Andrew Friedman, Walter, and Stan Caston, they went ahead and they made that change. Now, very interesting uh, guy that illustrates my point with Andrew Freeman. He's a quintessential Andrew Freeman guy, right? Uh, Jock Peterson. So Jock Peterson, uh, he's got wheels, right? And Jock Peterson has a great arm. He's a great defensive player. His dad played baseball. So he's – Jack Peterson is very, very fundamentally sound, except for that big swing he has. But he gets a lot of home runs. 
but his average is low, right? But he uh, has a good eye. But this year, all the Dodgers have a bad strikeout to walk ratio. He has nine strikeouts to three bases on balls. But for him, his average is actually pretty good at 240, but he only has one home run. Right? Then you go uh, to Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor, another uh, analytics type guy, great defensive ball player. Uh, he has a good eye. All of these Dodger guys are bad on the on the base path. So that's been one of the indictments of the Dodger farm system, that all the Dodgers have come up, your Chris Taylors, your uh, Jack Petersons, your uh, uh, Bellingers, they're all bad on the base paths. Uh, Jack Peterson only has a couple home runs. He's batting seventh. And then you have a Dodger favorite, Will Smith. Right? Uh, he comes up, and they have the French. I don't know. What, what, is there a, a music that the Padres – I know the Padres used to do this in the past. I don't know. Things have gone uh, PC. But do the Padres have some uh, music they make fun of Will Smith with? Uh, I don't think so. Um, maybe – I remember Steve Garvey back in the day. It shows you how old I am. But when Steve Garvey used to go to San Diego – they used to play the Miss America song. And Steve Garvey used to go up to the plate. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, there's a Padre, guys. I mean, yeah. I, 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 it was I, back I, in the days when they had the San Diego chicken. I don't think so. And the, uh, the San Diego chicken used to be there. And then used to have oh. Miss America. It was, it, was, it was great when uh, Steve Garvey came up there. But Will Smith, they play the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And then I know some other stadiums when you go, they, they make fun of him with that. But Will Smith... He is there to take a base. And one of the reasons he's there, not only because he has a cannon of an arm as a catcher, is right now he has six bases on balls and three strikeouts. Two to one. Perfect. Right? Uh, of course, Austin Hedges was on the Dodgers, but that's what he was there for, to take a base. He's bat batting 158. So I would say, what do you think, right? So this is when you're betting the Dodgers. This is what you got to look at. And remember, they're fine because even though the bats aren't going, they're still 7-3 because they play excellent defense. They're run suppressors. And for the most part, they have a base on ball strikeout ratio like Will Smith. But Will Smith isn't as established as your Bellingers and people. He knows if he doesn't have that type of ratio, he's sitting down. He's not playing. All right, so you look. That's why you always do your research in betting, right? And you're always uh, you go on Twitter and you follow David Basset and Alana Rizzo. And I can say this because I'm Cuban, but Alana Rizzo is also Cuban, and uh, she's an Americanized Cuban that isn't as wild as Puig and Cespedes. <laughs> we're, we're Americanized Cubans. But she does a great job as a Dodger reporter, and she does a great job reporting on Twitter. So, with the Dodger bats asleep right now against the Padres, right? After we've done this research, 
Brandon first, doctor first, first report. That line, man, 127 sounds low, right? Very low, but this if, is if, if you use what you're saying, right, if you do your research, if you listen to Brandon first, when he does his Padres briefing, right, if that uh, bullpen isn't, doesn't inspire confidence from you, like when you're drinking beers, watching the games, you're not slamming your beer saying, yes, here comes Matt's drop. <laughs> I mean, right? If, um, if it was possible to drink, yes, you would have to definitely drink during this. But no, I, I it, it's one of those things where we just probably make it worse. But the Padres bullpen and most bullpens, honestly, the Dodgers bullpen has been really good, which is kind of crazy because that was their biggest weakness coming into the year. Right. But most teams' bullpens have been pretty bad. Obviously, the Padres. It's not even my opinion or anything. I mean, look it up. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that okay, maybe they not might not be the worst, say the numbers, but they they have done some. It's been some really bad stuff. Um, and for me, if you look at – you would have asked me, okay, the Padres play a three-game series against the Dodgers. For me, in my head, 60% sweep, 30% Dodgers take two out of three, 10% Padres take two out of three. Okay, 9% Padres take two out of three, 1% Padres sweep. We've already got past the, what I thought was going to happen, which was the sweep. So for me, I already know what the pick was today and the line then comes right, out. right. But the thing is the whys, right? So, oh, one hundred. Well, yeah, when when I dig into the whys and see that uh, the the walk to strikeout ratio is that bad for Bellinger, Turner, uh, everybody except Seager, and Seager's hitting the ball well. He's the only guy in the Dodger lineup that's hitting the ball well. And then you factor in what you're saying about the bullpen, right? Uh, I would say that that for tonight's game and then moving forward, uh, you can maybe ride the Dodgers and maybe stay away from betting the dogs once you see, right, with your eyes, like Craig Miserak says, that the Dodger bats have woken up. I think any time... Where people put their hard-earned money. Don't play the Astros which I think they only play them three more times. But anytime the Dodgers don't play the Astros and they're not going for a sweep and you see them at minus 150 or less, it's a really good bet. Um, oh, yeah. and, and I know we're not going to win 100% of them, but we're going to win a high percentage and we're going to win money on them because, look, this is, this is the second best team in the league. And maybe with the bullpen resurgence, now obviously Bellinger and the other guys got to get that rolling, you know. Like you said, though, seven and three, and Bellinger and 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 those guys are struggling. That's huge for them, and a lot of it is because of how good the bullpen and the pitching staff, especially the starting staff, has been. I believe it's still the best in baseball. So the wise on that side, yes, and then the wise in terms of the batting, correct. I mean, especially when you face the Padres. Now, maybe not so much tonight with Zach Davies, but overall, especially late, the biggest problem I would say with the Padres bullpen and most bullpens is the inability to throw strikes. And the Dodgers have always been that team that they're going to make you – you're not, they're not going up there swinging that first pitch just like, ah, you know, they're going to make you work for everything. And it's fine early on, but late in the, late in the game and then late in the season, they're going to wear out. And then that's when I expect, you know, those walk to – I mean, the walk to strikeout numbers are never going to be what they used to be back in, you know, the 90s and all that stuff. Strikeouts are just so, I guess, accepted now. But 
I do in terms of the walks and, and manufacturing and the analytics, it, it, especially with the Dodgers. I mean, Dave Roberts has gotten drilled for World Series building a lineup based, oh, I have a left-hander, so I have to get all my left-handed hitters yeah, but, out. But he's not building the lineup. I think what he's gotten well, drilled whoever for – whoever is building the lineup, we agree to for, for, for Yeah, no, for him. Yeah, well, it's, it's just factual, right? And what he's so. gotten drilled with by Plansky, by David Zassay, people who follow the Dodgers day-to-day and have interviews with the management, is that it, – and it was a big thing in the offseason, right? A lot of Dodger fans wrote into the LA Times – and they asked Andrew Freeman if Dave Roberts has the power to change the lineup. And Dave Roberts came out and said, yes, if I want to, I can leave Pedro Bias in there. Because that was the big one where uh, analytics said to take Pedro Bias out. And that's what they decided before the game. And the Dodger fans were like, no, Dave Roberts, let him stay in. And Dave Roberts said, yes. Even though that said that before the game, I had every – um, I had every right, right? Or I had the, the, the front office had confidence in me for me to stick with Pedro Bias if I wanted to. I just didn't. Now, half of the Dodger fans believe him. Half of the Dodger fans don't. And then let's say me as a, a guy who has clients in the corporate world, right? The, the duck that quacks the loudest gets shot, right? And, and Dave Roberts seems like a, you know, a go-along, get-along type of guy. However, uh, they did make a big deal of showing in his contract. That his contract has now changed, where it explicitly says in the contract that Dave Roberts can, at his discretion, change the lineup that he's given by management. So that's been a, a big point of contention. And then my thing with the, with uh, the Padres, I wonder if Tyner has that, or if Tyner has that in his contract that he can, you know, do that. What Dave, Ro- Dave Robertson said. Now, Joe Madden, of course, he's his own general manager. He can do whatever he wants, but the guy in Chicago can't. And that was a big thing between Epstein and Madden is that Madden, Epstein would give him a lineup card and Madden would flick him off and change that, <laughs> you know? So, and, and of course, Lou Pinella, in old school guys, Pete Rose, Lou Pinella, Joe Torre, none of those guys, if you gave them a lineup for management, they would take a lighter and light it up and put it in the trash can. They would never take that. So that's modern baseball. So with that being said, uh, and I won a lot of games, man, betting baseball. And I've been pretty good the last uh, few days here. Betting baseball, I'm like seven and two. I would say that watch out for the Dodgers uh, in those lines. And like first said, if if they come down at all, or if they lose a game, uh, was being in such a shortened season, uh, and in big games, I know for a fact the Dodgers hitting coach is going to say, okay, let's cut the nonsense off. Uh, you guys had your fun. It's time now to uh, only go after certain pitches that we're telling you to take off. Otherwise, uh, let it go because our pitching staff is doing well. What do you think, first report? Yeah, I agree. That's my Dodgers briefing for today.
And like Winston Churchill says, you make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. That's why we give you all the picks. And we wish you well. Making money. Don't spend it all in one place. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. And they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. I'm the best there is.